Hi, welcome back to Mom of the Truth. I am your host, Bishop Talbert. We have a very special episode today. I was in the studio with an artist of mine, and we were working around and doing some things. And deep conversation broke out between him and myself. And I would like to bring that to you, that exclusive interview. Before I do, I want you to know that it is has some very, very tough situations that he had to deal with growing up as a child, living in a single parent household. There is some bad language, so if you have children around, you may may or may not want them to hear it. Um, it's not too much, but it is kind of, you know, some graphic situations that he talked about. Um, as I promised before, we are going to do more recordings. And yeah, this was just the first of many that, um, you know, that we plan on bringing um, from here on out in the future. But the last time on the last episode, we talked about um, the formation of our 501c3 nonprofit tax exempt organization, Queen Bee Farms, and I wanted to go a little bit further into that. I would like to read to you our mission statement, which kind of gives you a grasp of what we are about. Queen Bee Farms Assembly of God will provide the same amount of support all around the world by showing the word of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Uplifting and supporting all humanity with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we provide charitable works to those in need. Queen Bee Farms Assembly of God also provides educational classes. We also provide classes in religion, science, healthcare, dentistry, nutritional guidance, self-sustainability, self-efficiency, financial literacy, with many other classes that will help spread our message of all love for humanity. We build and provide homes and transportation while making sure all members of Queen Bee Farms Assembly of God will have access to basic necessary living needs such as food, drinking water, shelter, and proper health care. We also have a great focus on influencing our members to be creative and innovative in all fields such as music, performing arts, scientific discoveries, and many, many more ways for the people to be creative. We at Queen Bee Farms Assembly of God always executes a well thought out and God-led plan to make the world a much better place. Well, that is our mission statement and if you feel you would like to help us accomplish these goals please feel free to send all donations to P.O. Box 35152 Cleveland, Ohio 44135 Well, I thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this very special episode of Moment of Truth. I am your host, Bishop Talbert, and my beautiful wife, Queen Bee. We thank you, and God bless. She never intended to have a child. And she was one of them women that shouldn't ever have been given a chance to have a child. And my conception was, I have reason to believe that it was less than consensual. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So it was never her intention. It's not like she was out there putting the pussy out there everywhere and she got knocked up and got pregnant. 
You know, she never intended to have a child. She wasn't out there like that. She's just victim of a crime. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And my dad had dragged her out of an abortion clinic. She tried to have an abortion. Like, I'm the product of a broken condom, a rape, um, a failed morning after pill, a failed abortion attempt, like the whole nine yards. Like, I defied all odds. Well, you know, that, that tells me that you were truly destined to be here for a reason. Yeah, but my mom, like, because no, she... No, seriously, think about I that. I feel it, I feel it, I know, I know that. The Lord has a calling on your life, something more than than you understand right at this moment. I've always felt him. I've always felt him. When I was a little child, I had a special relationship with him. Serious, I used to sit in my room and talk to him. Little as a little kid, four or five, six years old, like most kids have imaginary friends. I didn't have an imaginary friends. I I, taught, I sat in my room and I talked to God all day, and He would talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Not or not audibly, but in my own thought. Like it's my thought, but it's not my thought. It's His. Yeah, that's that's the Lord talking to you. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I would sit I would believe. sit in my room and audibly talk to Him. And he would respond to me in my mind and my thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I've always had a close relationship with him, but my mom was extremely abusive. Like, bad so. Like, she was a, a meth head. And one, like four years old, I remember this. Four years old, she didn't get invited. To, she didn't get. She did not get invited to a meth party next door because she couldn't find a babysitter for me. And so she spent the whole night beating me. Broken nose, bloody pissed pants, like the whole nine yards, like she messed me up bad. That's why I'm going bald. Because her first recourse would to do this. And you were and she, four? Yeah, four years. She broke my nose for the first time. Wow. When I was four years old, my nose broke. Now, what about now? How was you and your mom's relationship? She's alive, but she couldn't be more dead to me. And not because I haven't given her ample recourse to make amends. It's because she has proven that she's incapable of making amends. Some relationships are just not healthy to pursue. Well, okay. So she, she, in, in my, the way I am, like, I've given her time after time, opportunity after opportunity. I've tried to be subtle about it. I've, 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 I've even, I have gone and confronted her on things. And she will not deny it, but she will not admit it. She'll, th like, like, I told her so, one time. So, one second, let me, yeah, let, me let me jump in here. Go ahead. Is she hurting? Because a lot of times when people are hurting and... She refuses they, to acknowledge. They realize what they've done. They try to block it out. Yeah. Yeah. She refuses to acknowledge the bad things. And she will she will refuse to ever acknowledge when she is wrong or when she has made a mistake. And if she does acknowledge a smallest little mistake that she made, she's going to make sure to point out the 30,000 things that you did that were wrong as well to yeah. cause her to do that tiny, minuscule wrong thing towards you. Yes. Well, if I can give you some <laughs> advice for situations like that, because I've dealt with it with multiple people in my lives who never want to admit, you know, but we must remember that's not our job to make People see the mistakes they've done. They have to come to Christ. And they have to yeah. get to that point if they want to grow. So if they don't want to, that's their choice. Yeah. But if you're talking to them, remain strong. I know it's your mom. You want to be respectful. Oh, all of that. I, I've already, I know the type of person she is. I don't believe she's capable of ever coming and making amends that way. 
I, I, I can't do it because her friends, she will have loyalty to, right? If her one of her friends calls her up out of the blue with an emergency, she'll change up her whole game plan to help him. But I am her only blood relative. All the rest of her family is dead. And if I call her an emergency, she'll tell me, well, I hope it all works out for you. Call me tomorrow and let me know you're okay. There's no loyalty, no love, no consideration, no thoughtful, caring attitude. She will put me on the back burner every time over her own personal plans. If And if I came into the situation as long as everything fit her agenda, as long as she didn't have to deviate in any way, shape, or form from what she was already going to do, then yeah, it's fine. But if she has to deviate in the tiniest little way, no, forget it. Now, when was your last conversation with your mom? Uh, about three years ago. Three years. And I, okay. I feel ashamed of it, man, because I really took it too far. Yeah, a, a lot of things happen in three years, so. But I, I don't intend Maybe. on ever speaking to her again because. Never? I don't intend to because I don't feel like. This is something I've tried many times. When we had our speaking relationship, I've tried many times to breach subjects like this because I needed to heal. From the past. I needed to her for her to acknowledge what she's done wrong. Not because I'm trying to humiliate her or because I'm trying to dredge up those feelings in her. But because the thing that really okay, angered okay. and hurt I'm, me the most. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there for a second. Now, you said you wanted to get her to admit yeah. what was wrong. The now, reason, wait, wait, one second. Let me, let, me, let me finish this thought. Go ahead. Are you saying that you need healing? I was you seeking need healing. to hear the words from her? Well, yeah, I was seeking healing from her because I wanted her to acknowledge that she had done these things. Because when I brought these things up to her, like, like, I'll give you an example, right? We were driving down the road. One day, and I don't, I don't, I don't even know what brought this all up. I forget the conversation we was having. And I looked at her and I said, "Mom, it really messed me up as a kid. That one time where you tried to cut my right hand off because you thought I was touching a cat butt. I was three years old. I was pulling on his tail, right? My mom thought because she was coming down off of crystal meth." She thought that I was putting my finger in its butthole, poking it in the butthole. So she chased me around the house with a meat cleaver and a kitchen cutting board, quoting Bible scriptures, if your right hand offends you, cut it off, trying to cut my hand off. Wow. And, I, and I brought that to her attention while we're driving down the road. She did this. I don't think that ever happened. And then immediately changed the subject. No, okay. You know what I'm saying? But well, the fact, okay, the fact that she did it is bad enough. And now I'm seeking healing from that. I need her to admit. I need her to, and that's all. It could have been over and done with. I could have got the healing. It could have never needed to be mentioned again. But when she shot me down like that, when she didn't deny, but didn't fully admit, you see what I'm saying? That, it's like opening the wound now, back up. Now, okay. What if you took a different angle with that situation? First of all, you say maybe, just maybe, she was high on the crystal meth, as you say, mm. and she does not remember ever doing that she remembers these things because but the look another thing is what have you said mom that time you wanted to cut my arm off i forgive you why don't well i see you, i have i have like i tried said, forgiving like saying you forgive i know and that I know. may 
change her perception because she might <laughs> feel that you are Trust me, pointing listen. the finger at her and it might... I know, I know, I'm aware. Like I told you, I've tried to confront her many times in my life. Many. And I've tried many different ways. You know what I'm saying? And, but the thing that burns me so bad, the reason I even try to confront her, otherwise I just, I would have just let it go. The thing that burns me the worst is that every single person that know me and her together, like from church, as a child, they all believe that she is some saint. They believe that she is like Mother Mary, Mother Teresa, uh, no sin, no, nothing in her. Because me and her could be in the middle of the worst ass beating I've ever gotten in my life. And if somebody knocks on her door, she turn around, oh, hi, oh my God, I haven't seen you forever. Come in, come in. And she'll turn around and look at me and go, And that means go to your room. When they leave, you're going to get it twice as bad because I had to I had to stop what I was doing, messing you up to go and conversate with them. Now, that sounds like some mental issues. Yeah. Now, yeah. how was her upbringing? Oh, she was then, an orphan. Okay, now... But like that I said, may she, be the cause of her using the drugs. Oh yeah, to block out what happened in her life. Oh, guaranteed. I already know this. I'm well aware. You know what I'm saying? Because she herself has admitted to me verbally that she never intended to have a child. When I was eight years old, and this wasn't on no evilness, right? Yes. I didn't realize that then, but looking back on it now, it was her really trying to help. In her own sick, twisted way. But she woke me up. I was eight years old. She woke me up one morning and she sat me down and she said, Hey, where do you want me to take you? And I said, What do you mean, Mama? And she said, I don't love you. And I don't want you to be a part of my life. And it's not your fault. It's my fault. Because I don't want to be a mama. I never intended to be a mama. And I'm angry and I'm hurt and I'm pissed off because I feel that you're holding me back from what I wanted to do in my life. So if you want to have a happy life, you would probably be best off living with somewhere else, with somebody else. And if you want to, you just tell me where you think you would have it better off and I'll take you there. And this was, you were eight years old. Yeah. I mean, I was terrified because my mom was the only one, I, only person I knew. I don't have no other family. You know, my dad's side of the family, they were, al were alive. They're all dead now. But they were alive, but they were... The first thing I remember hearing my grandmother say to me and my mom. I was four years old. It was the very first time I met her. Me and my mom had sold everything we owned in California to come 3,000 miles across the country to try and make a family with my father. He had just come out of prison. My grandmother picked us up from the Greyhound bus station, and they were millionaires because she was she was head over the entire eastern seafront of Longerberger Baskets. Okay, you wow, know? wow, that's quite an accomplishment. Right, and my grandfather retired from the United States Army at 38, retired from Firestone Aerospace Dynamics at 68, and they socked it all away their entire lives like Jewish hillbillies. You see what I'm saying? So yes. they were millionaires. The first thing I heard her say to us when they picked us up at the Greyhound bus station, don't call us if you want us to come and see Bo. We'll call, you, we'll call you when and if we decide to see him. Don't call us. Don't write us. Don't come to our house. You're not invited for Christmas. If you see us in the store, you turn around and you walk the other way. That's extremely harsh. Yeah. I but there's no painful. love. There's no love in that family. When Christmas would come on the few rare instances when they would invite me, it was literally like this. You sit down at the table. You shut up. You eat your meal in silence. 
You sit there until everybody else is done. When everybody's done, everybody gets up silently. They go into the living room. Everybody sits down, shuts up. Grandpa randomly chucks random different gifts at people that they didn't even bother to write anybody's name on. You open it. You say thank you, handshake, and you leave. And this was your dad's side of the family. Yes. Okay. Now. No love. No love at all. Now. When, after your mom told you that when you were eight years old that she no longer loved you or wanted you a part of her life, what was it that, or what is it that makes you want to go back and have a relationship I don't with her. I don't anymore. Well, me and my you, mom have had we well, have, we've you, tried. You've you've said that you've tried. Yeah. I mean, why was it? Because like, okay, <clears throat> I'll give you an instance. The last thing, the last time me and my mother saw each other, which is what sparked me finally just cutting all ties with her. Um, I was living in a room for rent. And um, the guy that was in the basement with me that was living in his own separate room in the basement, he was a convicted felon, just came out of prison. He was involved in the three-way uh, gun fight with the Shoreline Crips, the Bloods, and the police in Venice Beach in the 80s. Uh, well, anyways, I'm not so he's, he's a, gang, he was a gangbanger, he's a violent man, he's a big man. And he just came out of prison for killing three people with his bare hands. He was on parole. Yes. All right. Me and him got into it in a re- on some real shit. You know what I'm saying? All because he would try to mooch off me. He would try to take advantage of me in every way, shape, and form. Because I'm a nice person, I allowed it to go on too long. Yes. But finally, when I confronted him on it, and when I let him know that I was no longer going to allow him to take advantage of me, he tried to become violent. And it ended with me almost having to take his life with a hatchet, like violently. So I, and rather than allow that to have a chance to have another altercation like that with him, I moved out. Yes. And I didn't have, I didn't have a chance to grab nothing. I just left. There was two things in that place that I really wanted, that I really were close to me, right? My mom had given, okay, first of all, she had a, um, a job at Cleveland University Hospital on the psych floor, yes. making $33 an hour. She got a free corner couch, but yet she was selling it to me for 120 bucks, and I could barely make men's meet. But nonetheless, I had almost paid it off. Yes. I almost, only had $40 left to pay on it. So that was one thing I really liked, and I really wanted to keep it. And the other thing was a cedar chest that I'd worked very hard for. It was a very nice chest. And I had worked hard to get this. Uh-huh. And so when I left, I went over to a friend's house and I called her. I said, Mom, this is a bad situation. I told her the whole nine yards. I said, just two things I need help getting. My mom said, well, since you haven't paid off that couch, I'm just going to come get my couch. And I said, Mom, if you're going to what? You're going to come get your couch? Isn't it my couch? She's like, no, you didn't pay it off. I'm repossessing it. I need it back. I'm like, all right, Mom, that's fine. You can have the couch as long as I can get the cedar chest. You know? So she comes up. She picks me up. Jerry's house is literally 10 minutes away from my old room for rent. My mom lives 40 minutes out into Green Township. From where I was, from my room for rent, right? Yeah. I had called Tony up, right? Just like the next day, he's Buddhist. He doesn't believe in holding a grudge. You know what I'm saying? But he agreed to step out for 30 minutes while I come and get my things. Yes. So there'd be no complications, no aggravations, right? 30 minutes. So my mom comes, picks me up. I said, Mom, since you live 40 minutes away, and since I live less than 10 minutes away. I figured the best way to do this is go get the cedar chest, take it to where I'm living now, go back, pick up your corner couch, take it out to where you live 40 minutes away. She goes, no, we're not going to do that. We're getting my couch first. I'm like, mom, 
do you not understand the situation? Do you not understand that I could be put into a situation where I would have to take another man's life and go to prison or possibly where he could take my life and I go in the cemetery? Do you not care that your only son is going to be put in a situation like that? She said, we're getting my couch first, and that's that. I said, fine, Mom. You know what? Forget the chest. Forget it. We'll get your couch, and if that's all you care about. So we went out there. I put this couch up into a RAV4. A RAV4, mind you. A corner couch in a RAV4. <laughs> in order for me to get in the car, I had to do this number here. The whole way. This is so uncomfortable. We're driving 40 minutes, and I'm like this. Right? Yes. So we get up to Waterloo and Arlington, and we're stopped at the light, and she goes, Oh, it's such a beautiful day today. I thought that when we get done with putting my corner couch in my new house, on my new condo, I figured maybe I'll take you to, um, to lunch at McDonald's. Do you want to go to McDonald's? I was like, No, Mom. I don't want to go to McDonald's. I want you to get the fuck back to your house. I want you to take the, I'm gonna, I wanna get this corner couch out of your car, and I just wanna go home. And I wanna forget what a shitty fucking mom I have. And she goes, well now what brought that about? How dare you talk, blah 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 blah. And she was like, how dare you say that, that I'm a shitty mom? And she was like, uh, why did you, why did you say that? And I was like, because you are, mom. You are a horrible, mother you have always been a horrible mother you have never been any kind of a mother any kind of loving or caring or compassionate at all and you don't even have the ability in you you put your friends as a higher priority over your son the only member of your family that you have left alive I don't understand how, how you cannot see how crappy of a person you are for being that way towards your only child. I would lay down my life for you, mom. There's been times where I have laid down my life. When my mother lost everything, and this is a whole nother story, this is a powerful testimony about praying bad things on people because it came back to bite me in the ass. I mean, she had been a horrible, like, really bad mom throughout my childhood. And all throughout my childhood, like, as she was coming off a third shift, coming home, or no, second shift. She'd be on her way home from second shift about midnight. I would be in my bed praying to Jesus to let her get hit by a car and die. So that the abuse would stop. Whoa. I would. I'd be, when I, I mean, I'm talking nine, ten years old, going to bed, saying my prayers to Jesus saying, Jesus, please let my mommy get hit by a car and die tonight so I don't have to get woke up getting snatched out of my bed by my hair and slung around and beat on. But I would pray these horrible things on my mom every day just so the abuse would stop. But every day I didn't realize the power of what my words. Adam had the ability to speak. He didn't have to dig in the ground. He had the ability to say, Rosebush, I want you to grow that way and then cut right there and grow that way. And Tree, I want you to grow around this way and around this way, but leave that area open so you're a shelter for me from the rain. He had the ability to speak and just cause it to fruitate. Now, naturally, when he, he sinned, that ability was taken from him. God said, now you will labor in the dirt. And by the sweat of your brow, you will get your meat. You know what I'm saying? But that didn't change. Our words still have physical power. Absolutely. And speaking and praying these things on my mom every day as a child, eventually I got oh, I got taken away from her by the state. She finally hit me in the face with a steel tine rake and left a bruise all the way down my jawline. So I ended up in foster care. But that's a whole Did she go did she serve any type of jail no, time? Nope, nope. She weaseled her way right out of that. She has, like I said, she has a, a, a power with her speech. 
that make you think that she's a saint. And that's what really burns me, is the fact that everyone that knew us, me growing up, believes that she's a saint. And they don't know how I became so messed up in the head because about what she did. She lived a secret life. You see what I'm saying? When me and her were together and it was just us, it was, you know what I'm saying? But when her friends or when anybody else was around, she would put on this facade that she's Mother Teresa. And that's what really burnt me. You know what I'm saying? So, um... No, have have you forgiven her? Oh, I have. But in order to forgive her, I had to cut her out of my life because she is unwilling to stop behaving the way that she has behaved her whole life. Well, she's not... Towards me. When was the last physical abuse between you and your mom? Oh, uh, physical abuse when I was a kid. Okay. So. But still, <clears throat> oh, hold on. Back to what I was saying, though. I had spoken all these horrible things. I had prayed to God all these horrible things. Well, as an adult, I finally started to formulate a relationship with her, different than when I was a child. She actually, I noticed certain things, like she would try to be more of a friend rather than a mommy, you know, a disciplinarian. A hard ass, you know, and she realized she couldn't put her hands on me no more because I'm an adult. Have her ass thrown in jail. You know what I'm saying? That type. So we started to formulate a relationship, a better relationship. And she helped me out a little bit. She um, helped me get an apartment, gave me a car, you know, those things. But I didn't know, I didn't realize at the time that everything she would do for me, she would make a mental note of it, and I owed her big for that later. You know what I'm saying? It's like making a deal with the devil. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't done out of loving kindness. It was done out of calculation for the future. You know? So, well, anyways, we were having a relationship. She had helped me. I'm trying to feel some type of love for her because I've never really, I've had a problem with feeling love in my life. You know? And okay. so I started... Okay, wait one second. Go ahead. Now, do you love yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How how do you express... My love for myself? Your love for yourself. Well, I try to take good care of my body. I keep myself in good physical shape. Um, I quit smoking cigarettes. Yes, that's you, quite an accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm showing my body the respect. That I want to that I want to feel for myself, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to change things about my life. I'm learning where I was wrong before, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, so I digress. I ended up getting a job. I landed a job for myself at a carnival, and I was making good money. And I was in a place where the people loved me. The owner of the company loved me, treated me like a son. You know, Mr. Wade, Wade Amusements. Yes. He treated me like a son. And the crew that I was on, I was the only person that knew how to set up or tear down the merry-go-round. And it's an important ride because it's called the key to the midway. Because, I mean, how do you know when the carnival's open for business but when you hear the sound of the merry-go-round start? Absolutely, absolutely. They done seen you setting up for two and a half days now. They don't know that you're open yet. When they hear the sound of the merry-go-round going round and the lights and whatnot, they come over and investigate because... That's the first time they heard it. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Now, are y'all are y'all open? All right, let's go. You know, it's called the key to the midway. The Ferris wheel's the lock. Because at nighttime, when all the employees are sitting there waiting to close, how do you know when the carnival's going to close? When you see the lights on the Ferris wheel got cut out. When you see the lights on the Ferris wheel cut out, it's done. Time to close. Sorry, folks, we're done for the night. Come back tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. those are the two most important rides on the, on the carnival. And I was the only one that knew how to set up or tear down the merry-go-round on that crew, which made me valuable. You know? So I called my mom after a couple of weeks, and it was the first time that I had heard her cry. Ever. 
What was and the, she what, she melt what was the situation? She had chose another a strange man over me as a child, a man that did not like children. He was highly successful man. I have a pers- I personally don't like the man. However, I have to show respect to him because of the kind of person he was. Is she with him now? No, he died. When I called her and she fell down, broke down crying, is because he didn't come home for uh, for dinner, and she went out in the garage and found him dead working underneath the car. He had built an empire. She chose him. Because he lived the lifestyle that she wanted, that she always dreamed of. He was a successful man. He he was a successful man. He owned after-hours auto sales, after-hours auto towing, after-hours auto repair. He had the sheriff's contract for the towing industry for Green Township, for Summit County. Yes. He was a prestigious man. They built an empire. She was set. She had everything that she desired. Horses, cars, trucks, property in the country, uh, whatever, everything. She spent $5,000 on a Chinese crested hairless dog. (laughs) That's a bit bit expensive there. Right, but you know, you see the life she was living and and she chose that life over me. You know what I'm saying? No, so that's they were what, they were together when when you were a child. Yes, when I was okay. 13. Okay, and I lived with that man for a few years, and he hated me. Well, I thought you said you were taken from the yes, house. Yes, when I was 11. 15. I thought it was 11. Well, I was 11. 15. I told you when I was 11. What was 11? I I made reference to a couple of years when I was eight years old. Well, she sat me down and told me that yes. when I was 11. I forget what. But Jim, I, my mom married Brian Rains. He was a member of our church. He was, she was married to him for two years and then divorced him. And before he was even out of the house, she was dating Jim. Wow. And then wow. we moved into Jim's home. I was 13 years old, and when I was 15, I was taken from my mom by the state of I Ohio because she hit me. Yes. Inside the face of the biggest steel time rake. Yes. Now, um, so anyways, when he died, when I called her up and I found that out, my reaction immediately, I didn't mean to, but I hung the phone up on her. I went straight to my boss, the owner of the company, and I said, sir, it's been enjoyable working for you. I'm glad that you've given me this opportunity. However, I have a family emergency. I need to go home right now. I was hoping that you could forward my check or cut me my check now if it's at all possible because, you know, I'm really going to need it. And he was like, Bo, I'm so sorry to see you go. I mean, he's like, yes, this is a real heavy blow to us because you're a damn good worker. And he's like, if you ever need another job, don't hesitate to call me. I'll hire you right now. And he was like, of course. He was like, um, let me get in my safe. I'll even cut you a bonus for the season. You know what I'm saying? And he called his daughter yeah, that was, to take that was me personally to my mom's home. You know, he had his daughter take me from Columbus all the way to Akron to my mom's home. Yes. So I get there. She was skin and bones. She said and when nighttime would come, she would lay all night crying, begging for the daylight. And when the daylight would come, she would lay in her bed all day crying, begging for the night to come. Managers that have been faithful for years started dipping in the tills. Employees that have been respectable and everything started not showing up for work, being lazy on the job, not doing the job correctly. And you know a woman don't get no respect in the auto world anyway. Customers that had come faithfully to Jim for years wouldn't come no more because it was a female running the shop now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And she lost everything. Everything in her life. She left out of that home with a suitcase of her baby things. 
and that's it. She lost the horses. She lost all the vehicles. She lost all the furniture in the house. She lost the house. She lost all the businesses, everything. Everything. Whoa. And to witness her crumble like that, most people would think that I would be happy because I finally got what I had begged God for all these years. But it destroyed me. It destroyed me did to watch you, my mother crumble like this. Did you feel responsibility? Yes, absolutely. Because as soon as I got home to my mom after quitting my job, I got there, walked in the house, and I saw her. As soon as I looked her in the eye, God spoke to me in my mind. He said, this is what you've asked me for all these years. Are you happy with the outcome? Of what you have prayed to happen to your mother. And I was devastated. Because I had never seen my mother cry. Ever. Ever. Never heard her. Even. She's always been so strong willed. Never even see her depressed. Never even see any look on her face. That anything in life phases her at all. And to see that for the first time, it sent a terror through my soul. I can't even describe it. And to see her skin and bone weighing about 70 pounds. She's a six-foot woman. 70 pounds? Yeah, that's, that's a bit extreme. Terrified me. Terrified me, man. And God in that moment told me in my mind, this is... The outcome of this is your responsibility because you asked for this. All these years you asked for this. I tried to relent. I tried not to give it to you because I knew what it was going to do. It wasn't going to do no good because you're not satisfied. Now you wish you hadn't have prayed all these things. But because of the multitude of your prayers, I had to. You know, like he said, where he makes that parable, Jesus spoke. If you go to the, your friend's house in the middle of the night and you knock on the door asking for a couple of loaves of bread, he said, I'm in bed with my children, I can't do it for you. But because of the multitude of your knocking, the fact you ain't going to go away, he will get up out of his bed and not only give you the loaves, but everything else you asked for too. You know, that's what that's what God was telling telling me in that moment. So, how... You said you haven't spoken to your mom in three years. How did you go from, because that's a roller coaster to go from being abused young to when you're, when you're an adult and you feeling compassion for her situation to recently not speaking to her <coughs> in three years. Wait, what transpired between the death of her husband to you not speaking to her for three years. Well, it's just, it's a continual pattern of when I am in need, true need, and I call her needing her, and she could care less. She will not come out of her way in any way. But yet for her friends, she will. If she was that way, period, and stoned towards everyone, it wouldn't hurt so bad. But the fact that her friends can cause her to have compassion in a situation where she will not have compassion for me, her only son, it burns me inside. And it's not just once or twice or a couple times. This is a repeated pattern. And in that moment, remember I told you I was cramped up in her car talking about how she's a horrible mother? Yes. I got out of her car and I almost killed her. Because I smashed her window out with a brick. I, before I even knew it, I had smashed her window out with a brick and I had hold of her throat and I was choking her. Was there any drugs involved? No, none. Was this just rage? None. This, this was such rage and such pain from all these things that I know about her. The fact that if it would have been her friends, she would have done it exactly how they asked. But for me, she has to make a problem. And the fact how she could care less that her only son would be put in a situation 
where he may possibly have to kill someone and go to prison or, or get killed himself. You know what I'm saying? It was just such rage in my heart. And after that moment, when I realized what I was doing, I let go of her. And I took off. I started walking home. And I sent her a text message. And that's the part I wish I hadn't. Because I said a lot of things in that message that I meant. But I realized we're dead wrong. It was evil. Like one thing I told her in that moment, I was so mad. I said, if you make it to heaven, I don't want to be there. And don't call me even on your deathbed. Because I won't come. This was after the death of her husband. Yeah. This was years after the death of her husband. Like after the death of her husband, I came back into her life. I tried to, as hard as I could to be a faithful, loving, kind, caring son. I'm the reason she rebounded from that. I'm the reason she ended up getting that job at Cleveland University uh, Mental Hospital. I'm the reason. You know what I'm saying? I quit my job. I came back to her. I, I tried as hard as I could to lift her up and build her back. To have her still act like it didn't phase her. Like, like I don't care. Like I don't matter in any way, shape, or form. To have her still put her loyalty to her friends highly above me. Not just once or twice, but continually. She went and adult adopted the, the little girl that lived next to us when I was a kid. The one that she took on... Okay, let me explain this. All year long, when as soon as we moved to Jim's house, a new option opened up for us. I was always heavily into animals. We had horses. Yes. Now, I had horseback ridden all the time, and I had hit every trail around, but I had never trailered out with truck and trailer to the metro parks, the new ones, the new places, new opportunities had opened up because Jim has a truck and a trailer for horseback riding. Yes. They had been out between the two of them many multiple times on dates, whatever, but I had never been able to because Jim hated me. And my mom, at that point in time, she cut me out of, out of her life pretty much. She would spend 15 minutes a day with me. And that was only to cook my breakfast and dinner. And the whole time telling me how much she hated me. How much of a failure I am. Relating me to, she went to a rich, expensive party and all her friends were there and all her friends were getting million dollar gifts and homes and things like that and she got a broken teacup and I'm her broken teacup. And how, and, and, and how, um, and how discouraged she is now because of her broken teacup. Right? I was in the trailer behind his home. They lived in the house so that he didn't even have to see me. That type. Wow. You and see what I'm saying? Uh, 13. Okay. 13 to 15. But anyways, um, where was I going with that? Uh, but, but, um. Well, what transpired the last time you spoke with your mom? Well, yeah. Anyway, so I told her, I told her all these bad things in text. Oh, wait, Aubrey, I'm telling you. The girl, Aubrey... On my birthday, all year long, I had begged my mom, I just want to go out for trailering, trailering to a metro park for my birthday. I don't want no gifts. I just want a trailer. I want to have the experience that you and him have, you know? And she had promised me all year. I got a D on my report card, so she locked me in the trailer all day on my birthday and took the next-door neighbor girl trailering out to the parks on the horses and then at the end of the night gave her my birthday cake. And then as an adult, she adopted this girl so that it made her an executive of her estate. But her whole life, she had promised me that when she died, I would inherit everything. So that is what... No, I just started to notice all these things. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, that are being put in place. You know what I'm saying? And when I, the last time I talked to my mom... I, when I flipped out and I texted her and I said all these bad things to her, I spent all night long reading and rereading that text after I had sent it. 
And it burned me so bad. And I was at my wits end. I didn't know what to do. Because this fire was consuming everything inside of me. I was having thoughts like I should go burn her house down and kill her. Things like that. And I'm, I was horrified at it. And the next morning I was trying to find a way to cope with this. With all these emotions raging inside me. And I came to a moment of clarity and inside myself I was like, Bo, if you can't have a healthy relationship with her, if you can't have what you desire to have, you got to cut her out of your life, man. Because the anger she's continuing to cause you is consuming you and creating something inside you that you may later regret. You don't want to kill your mom. You know you don't. You don't want to kill anyone. You want to live in peace and happiness and quietness in the land. And if she, if you are unable to have a relationship with her, if you're unable to call upon her when you are in need, if you're unable to get the things out of life that you need to have, and this, then you and, need to just cut it loose. And this was, that was the last, last... Time I spoke to her, last time through, I seen her. It was through a text. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a way of contacting her now? If I don't you, have any int- intent. No, no, not intentions. Are you able? I could find her. Number? I'm sure I could find her. Okay, okay. Well, the reason I ask that because I would like to do a conference call with you two. To her? No, no physical, you know, nobody in the same in the same place. The reason I say that because a lot of the rage that you said you have for her, I felt a lot of that coming up. Maybe not to that level, mm. but my dad was a drug user. So was my and he always chose the drugs over me. Yeah. Now, now that I'm older, I realize that he was powerless against the drugs because I eventually, he got clean and I went to the AA meetings and I actually sat down and heard his side of the story, how he did not want to, but his body, he would get physically sick. Yeah. So... See, there's but, a difference though in that. I mean, there's a difference in the two scenarios. Your dad had an alternate, for, an, an outside force that was causing what was happening in your, between you and him. My mom doesn't have, it's not like she always wanted to be a good mommy, but something else was causing her. No, she and, never intended. And, and that is why <laughs> I want to I'm sorry, man. talk I, with you all because... Because of that fact that I believe deep down inside every parent loves their child. Simple. Period. Uh, point blank. I, I'm sorry, Every man. child, every parent that. loves their child. I wouldn't be able to go through that, man, because I've tried so many times. I've tried, um, what do you call that, uh, where you get people together and bring, oh, what is it? Yeah. Intervention. No, no. I, not, tried, I tried an intervention. I've tried um, just me and her sitting down and speaking it out. I've tried bringing it up in front of, like, when my family members were alive, like my dad and my grandparents. I've tried bringing it up around them. I've tried bringing it to the church. I've tried so many different times. Well, well, I say it because as I'm sitting here looking at you and I'm listening to you, um, it just ends up causing anger in my heart. I see... I see that a lot of that that you say you've been through, the root cause is because of a lack of a relationship with your mom. And you do not you do not want to have your mom leave this earth without you having some type of some type of okay, coming me, together moment where you can actually feel right. as if she's your parent. Let me relate to this, this one thing. And I'll let you know this. In the three years since I cut my mom out of my life, I have increased so much 
in every way. I've become successful, well, not successful to everyone else's standards, to my standards. Absolutely. I have a job now. That's something I couldn't do before. For some reason, I couldn't keep a job long. I'm on disability. You know what I'm saying? SSI and SSDI. That's how I've lived my whole life since the Army. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But ever since cutting her out of my life, I'm starting to feel confident inside myself. I have a job now. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm feeling happier with myself because it's me now and I'm doing for myself. Even just the thought of speaking to my mom again, I, I try to be open when people suggest things to see, you know, because they might be right. In this, I cannot speak to her anymore. It's like the it's like in the Bible. Well, well, the well, prophet that the prophet you, that his wife was running around on him. Well, you allow God, me to speak with good, your good, mom. Good. Well, you allow me to speak with your mom. If you wanted to, you could. But I'm telling you right now, she's gonna try every way to make me look like the devil, because what? it's impossible for her to ever admit where she's wrong, ever. Like I said, she, she makes herself out to be Mother Teresa, and that's what burns me alive because well, I know who she is. Well, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people. I've done a lot of, a lot of counseling with people. If and, you would, and, and, her and name I is Carol Swartz, I believe, on Facebook. Carol Swartz, Ashley, or something like that. Okay, okay. I see in you <laughs> what was in me and my father. Yeah. It but, took until my dad was on his deathbed. He died of liver cancer. Yeah. He um, didn't take care of himself, you know, yeah. sharing drug needles, sharing drug needles, messed up his Where? liver, cirrhosis, cirrhosis, not taking care of it, turned to cancer. Mm. Then not catching it in time, Turn he was gone. Right away. In order, the reason I said no to it. One second. Yeah, but go ahead. I had to come to myself because I would think, like, my life is going good. I'm married now. I got children. Yeah. I'm doing great. But in the back of my mind, it was, it felt like a puzzle piece that was missing from completing my life, which was a lack of communication with my father. Yeah. And he told me, you know, hey, this happened to me when I was young. Yeah. I didn't know how to be a parent. See, that <laughs> might be your mom's situation. She does not. She never knew how to be a parent. In order, in order, like in order to have a coming together moment, like what you're talking about, she has to be willing to desire me in her life. She has to be willing to want to change. She wants to. She she has to be willing to love. She doesn't. She doesn't want me. It's apparent to be in her life. She it's apparent that she does not want me in her life because like if I told you I loved you and immediately just slapped you to the floor. And as soon as you got back up, I say I love you and I slap you to the floor again. When you get back up and I tell you I love you, aren't you going to expect me to slap you to the floor again? No, I'm a duck. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Every time I say I love you, you're going to get that fear in your heart. And that's not love. No, no. But I will say, a lot of people in this world are hurting, and they are taught that at a young age. So she may think it was normal the way she was treating you. No, she's told me many a times. That she knew that she would not be a good mom. And that she never intended to be a mom. And that's why she tried to have an abortion a whole nine yards. That's why she tried to give me away when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, she just never wanted to be a mom. Ever. And I don't have any desire for her to be part of my life anymore. I don't have any desire to ever see her. I don't wish her ill like I used to. 
I've healed from that. I had to accept the fact that I couldn't just confront her and get the healing that way. And so in order to heal, I had to ensure that I would not allow her another circumstance to open those wounds back up. Does that make sense? If she was willing to sit down and take responsibility, full responsibility, for what she has done, without throwing back in my face all the million and one ways she perceives that I was wrong horribly and that her tiny, minuscule uh, part and fault in it was so small. You see what I'm saying? If she was willing to fully understand and accept what she has done and ask forgiveness, that would be the pure way of me getting the feeling that I needed. We would be able to have a relationship. But it is not in her. It's well, not in her. I'm well, telling you, I've known this woman my whole life. Well, it's not in her you, to take full responsibility. You never know. You never know what limit someone will go to when they feel pressure, when they feel sad. It when, doesn't make her sad, the fact that well, I'm gone. She's living her dream life again now that well, I'm not in you, you said you haven't had any contact with her for three I, years. I haven't contacted her. That doesn't mean I haven't kept up on her. Explain keeping up on her. I have friends that are also her friends. Okay. Every once in a while when I'm at my friend's house, her name might come up for whatever reason. I don't bring it up. But if they bring it up, that's how I catch these tidbits. She's owns horses again. She's um, remarried to a new victim. She's been married seven times, six or seven times now. Um, she's remarried. What do you to mean, victim? Because she treats her husbands horribly. She does. She's very selfish. Um, it's her way or the highway. She loves to nitpick and argue and find fault, and she's very quick to get her feelings hurt, you know? Like if she wants to go riding motorcycles, all you would have to say to hurt her feelings is, baby, I'm sorry, I'm tired, I worked all day, I just want to lay on the couch right now and watch some TV. That would turn into a huge fight. If she mentions to you that she wants to go riding motorcycles, you better be the kind of go, yes, honey, whatever you say, baby, let's go. Even if you're bone-weary, tired, barely able to even hold the motorcycle up. Well, well, I am, um, I would like to talk with her. You can if you want, but. I'm I'm, I'm not going to promise anything, you know. Yeah. You know, she may not want to talk with you. She may not want to. Even if she wants to talk to me, I'm not talking to her. I'm not going to. I'm going to stick by my guns on this. I I have disowned her. Yes. I I I completely understand. It's like it's like in the the part in the Bible there was a prophet. I forget it was one of the minor prophets, and he had a wife that was a whore, that was unfaithful to him. She kept whoring herself out to the people, and every time that she would whore herself out. This prophet would bring it to God and be like, God, I'm disowning her. I'm done with her. I don't want her no more. I don't want to be a part of blah, blah, blah. I'm going to divorce her. And God would say, no, go back to her. No, go back to her. Accept her back. Blah, 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 blah. But then finally there came a time where she hoard herself out. And God finally told him, now, now you will go to the people. You will disown her. You will divorce her. And you will speak to the people like this that they have hoard themselves out to every other god and the heathen nations that surround you. And so now hereby hear what I say, that your whoredom will cease and it will end and you better make an, an end to this whoredom or I will, in essence, disinherit my people. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So there comes a time where God tells them it's going to be done. You know what I'm saying? He told the prophet, finally, divorce her now. 
be done with her. And he did. He divorced her. They stoned her. I believe they stoned her and killed her. You know what I'm saying? Like, God has mercy. But there comes a time where finally God's like, okay, fine. Now it's finished. And it's settled. Not going to be the same anymore. And God told me that. He said, it's not healthy. You've, I've come to her many times in every way I can think of to get what I, what I felt I needed in life. You know what I'm saying? Closure to what had happened. I had to get my closure in a different way. You know what I'm saying? It's not possible. And, you know, I mean, even like I've had, I've had other people before like you. Let's sit down and talk to your mom. Let's have a, um, what is that called? Well, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I understand <laughs> you've had people, but. Yeah, but I don't. In the middle think, of, in the middle of it, she, she'll start, she'll play these games. She's very good at head games. Yeah, so am I. And so she'll try I. to twist it around so and make it look <laughs> like even if she was at fault, her yeah. part in the fault is so minuscule compared to how evil you were. 